Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. In today's podcast, my guest is an expert in voice of the customer. Her program helps software companies to and uh, uh, SMEs mid-cap companies to improve their marketing messaging. And the way that we do that uh, is to primarily interview, be a third-party interview of the customers and really help the organizations to find value in the data that they have by focusing on the voice of the customer. That then information collected can help the marketers in the way that they market their products. It can help the salespeople to focus on what's really important to the customer. All of this helps the revenue growth of the organization. So you're gonna love this interview. My next guest is the voice of the customer for B2B. Asking the right questions in the right way at the right time to uncover customer insights. The voice of the customer programs create a better experience for customers. Welcome to Scale Yourself podcast, Tonya Beerstrom. Thank you, I'm so excited to be here. I've been so excited to have you on. We're both in Women Sales Pro Mm -hmm. and Tonya did an incredible presentation to all of the Women Sales Pro about voice of the customer and there's so much of what she said really resonated um, with me. At Scale Your Sales we talk about sales from the customer's experience and I used to work in customer experience as well so having doing customer journeys so I know all about uh, uh, voice of the customer but this is Tonya's area of expertise so she's the master she knows more than all so i wanted her to come on and share all of her knowledge and skills so i really appreciate it so let's get first with your program tell us more about the the your voice of the customer program what you do for organizations and how that really helps them to land more sales to grow their customers how that helps the revenue So, you know, for many, many organizations, when I ask the question of what are you doing to uncover the voice of your customer, uh, it's either I I typically get a very long list of different ways in which they collect data. Um, In a lot of cases, they don't really know what they do with that data. Or I get, well, we don't really know what to do, so we don't do anything. Right. It seems, you know, for a lot of organizations, they fall in one camp or another, particularly within SMB, right, for small to mid-sized businesses. And, you know, a lot of that is because companies appreciate that there is a lot of data, really valuable data 
a new opportunity that resides within an existing customer base. But getting that data out and into a digestible format is the challenge. So my flavor of voice of the customer work is around high touch one-on-one -on -one interviews with customers. And that particular flavor or that particular technique then allows companies to make sense a lot of times of the other data points they may have collected or gives them a fantastic starting point to move forward and collect other data points as well. So that that voice of the customer work that I do and that I'm, you know, can't wait to talk to you more about today is, is that high touch one-on-one -on -one interviews. Yeah. And I must say that for the people that are watching this on YouTube, I, uh, we postponed this from yesterday because I had a massive tech um, uh, problem and I'm pixelated today. But I don't care because it's not about me. It's all about <laughs> Tonya's voice we want want to um, hear from. So if you're wondering why she's so pixelated, that's why I'm just grateful that I'm on with Tonya at the moment. So I can absolutely see how organizations have data and I'm actually surprised that they know what you're talking about when you say voice of the customer because I'm not I'm sure some do some don't right. and right. they have this data but they don't really know what to do with it and I I actually get by speaking directly to the customer it helps to land the value of that data mm -hmm for that organization. It really makes it real. This is what the customer said. So if there's several customers that you have data, you now know what the real value is. I love that. Well, and the other piece that is just as valuable is when you're reaching out, when you're an organization that has invested in a skilled professional third party to speak with your customers, to uncover feedback, to help improve their experience as a customer, to help improve your product, leverage their industry expertise so that you can continue to grow into other organizations. Those customers appreciate that. Mm -hmm. They feel really valued, yeah. right? It's So not only are you uncovering what the experience of your customers are within this process, you're creating an experience for them, yeah. right? I mean, when was the last time that you took an online survey and thought, wow, I feel really valued. I think that that, you know, I think that my clients by sending me this generic online survey, they really want to understand my experience and ask me about my expertise, right? That just, that doesn't happen, right? Um, but when you are completing a program with these high touch interviews, it happens all the time. You know, and I know it because customers tell me it at the end of interviews. Wow, thank you for this. I really enjoyed this conversation. They're contacting, you know, their vendor partner who is my client saying, thank you so much for doing this. I've never had this kind of conversation with somebody before. So there's there's a deeper benefit to this that just helps to strengthen relationships altogether. Yeah, we all not just our customers, we all just want to be heard, don't yes. we? And it's about the kind of the human need for significance. I delivered a, a, a training and uh, to a South African company. And one of the stats, it, uh, it was about uh, getting more engagement for an event that they were putting on for one of their clients. 
and the salespeople didn't really understand. Salespeople often are afraid of complaints. And I was talking about you have got to embrace complaints. You've got to come like, oh, great. This is really what I'm after. Because you, that, you could not buy the amount of information you can get from a customer when they're complaining. I mean, the, you, it's just massive. They give you their ideas, you know, the next product innovation, you know, how to, um, how to run your touch points, everything. They give you everything when they're compl um, complaining. Whereas normally we feel that, oh, this is personal and all, all, all of that. Mm -hmm. Actually, you're, you're more likely to get a customer advocate not by necessarily solving the problem. It's great if you do, but there's a 10% of them will become advocates just for allowing them to be heard, which is massive. Just yes. allowing them to be heard is incredible. Yeah. Well, and I find that a lot of the customers that I interview, they're more understanding about the challenges that companies face and, you know, moving forward, you know, I, I work a, a lot with uh, tech and manufacturing companies, right? So some of the language that I use inadvertently ends up being specific to those industries. But, you know, if we're looking at software, for example, software as a service companies, their customers, generally speaking, are more understanding of challenges they may be having in deploying specific features or functions that they want to see then the companies often give their customers credit for, right? I mean, I've had some organizations that have reached out to me to talk about a voice of the customer program that say, well, but, you know, if we ask these questions and they give us the answers and we don't do anything about it, then what happens? And, you know, my first response is, well, not asking doesn't change the answer, right? <laughs> Your customer still wants these things, whether you ask them about it or not. But if you ask them about it and they provide you with a response and you're not able to immediately address it, at least then you can have the conversation, right? You can, you can help them to understand why you're not able to move forward with their request or when you might be able to move forward with their request or point them in a different direction. You may have a different solution to their problem then anyone is even addressed. So I, I completely agree with what you're saying. It's that, you know, really in that feedback, regardless of whether it's negative or positive, that is the key, right? It, it's just, it's communication. It's communication. And I think it's quite interesting that we're dependent on our customers for our revenue, for our salaries, for our growth, yeah. but we're afraid of our customers there's you know businesses create that barrier between them and their customers we make it so difficult for our customers to speak to us you know you have to go through all of these different channels but you want to speak to a human being uh, but actually without having that that those touch points the feedback then your growth is going to be limited. You're going to develop products that are not necessarily relevant to not only where the customer is now, but where they're going in the future. And you want your customers for a lifetime. To so you've got to continue to innovate in the right way. So why do you think organizations create those barriers, that cushion around them as an organization that prevents that easy flow of information between them and their essential customers? 
You know, I think that that in and of itself is a complex issue. I think there are a lot of different reasons depending upon the organization, um, you know, depending upon the size of the organization, the industry. And, but I, I think one of the primary reasons that happens is, you know, what I refer to as the, the, uh, the momentum of assumption. Right. Where within an organization, most organizations are trying to, you know, run so fast. They're trying to accomplish so much that there are assumptions made, oftentimes educated assumptions, but an assumption nonetheless. And it just builds. Right. They make assumptions about what their customers need. They make assumptions about what the customer's experience is. They make assumptions about where engines are going, right? And they just, they get caught up in the momentum of those assumptions and they just move forward and they don't stop to take a breath and ask the questions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, other factors that I've seen are for, uh, again, for, you know, small to mid-sized organizations or organizations that are really within a growth mode. If, if you have some really highly invested executives, maybe founders of the company, there's fear, right? It's they're so invested in this organization that they're just afraid to get negative feedback because they're concerned they might take it so personally. The reasons why it makes a lot of sense to have a third party do this work. Um, I had a client once who was in that growth stage, right? He was the founder of the company. He was growing. He was going to be hiring additional salespeople, additional staff, and he wanted to have these kind, con- you know, have this program to have conversations with his customers to better understand where he should go. And he was just a wreck. The idea of having to ask these questions himself, and because he's like, "There's no way I'm not going to be able to get, collect that feedback and not be defensive." Right. And that and that doesn't only go for founders. That goes for sales reps. Right. If you're a sales rep and you're responsible for an account, you you know, your your VP of sales may be expecting that you're going to have these kind of conversations with your customers. But, man, that it takes a pretty special person to be able to have those conversations and, and not get defensive. So I think all of those things kind of, you know, come into creating exactly what you said, those barriers and really reaching out and having these conversations. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think if you've got an organization that's very much focused on, on the customer, I often talk about the best sales organizations, the customer-centric organizations. <laughs> if they're really focused on, on, on the customers and customer outcomes and how we're going to provide them, how we're going to innovate to make sure we can serve it, our, our customers, then as salespeople, all people, Everyone that touches the customer is more than willing to actually hear the views because they know they have an organization that isn't going to reject it, that is going to try and solve that yes. that problem. It's a very different a mindset when they're an outside in rather than inside out organization. Then, it, you know, and I think that's one way of of breaking down that barrier between the, the customer, you know, the, the organization and sales, as, as you know, is very internally focused. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Janice. I think that having a culture that allows for negative feedback to come in and create change versus being a a culture that automatically um, 
you know, d either A, diminishes that negative feedback is, oh, well, they just, you know, that customer always complains about things or having it be some sort of a um, retelture where all of a sudden people are, you know, disciplined for just any sort of negative feedback. Those are not going to be customer-driven organizations. They're yeah. just not, right? Yeah. I mean, the, um, you know, NPS is an interesting metric, metric net promoter score, right? Yeah. And Fred Reichelt, who's with Bain, who is one of the creators of NPS, he has a new metric, earned growth rate, that if um, you, you I don't know if you follow that at all, but it's, it's interesting to hear the creator of NPS talk about how some organizations have, have really, you know, taken an NPS score and into something it was never meant to be. Yeah. It was meant to be a data. In fact, that's community. the majority of organizations right. to use it. Right. <laughs> right. The founder has said himself, this is not exactly. what I created. I know. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And so that's, it's a singular data point. That's what it is. Salespeople or frontline employee compensation should not be based on singular data points. So it's, it, it, it's not getting it's not getting us where we want to be as far as sales organizations are concerned. And, and I think it's really interesting what you say. You know, all of us have had this. We've done something minimal, and then on our phones we get all of these blimming questions coming through of them. Now you hate the organization. Yeah. <laughs> right. you know, it's the same questions that everyone, it's, as you said at the very beginning, these surveys do not make you feel special. And the, 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 the process is so irritating. Now you really, before you were indifferent and now you do not like that organization at all. So actually it's doing the reverse of what it's supposed to be doing. There's no way I'm going to be recommending this to any, anyone else. Exactly. Um, so it's crazy how we misuse these these things. So that's really interesting. When is the best time to complete a customer survey? So I believe the best time needs to be tied to what is going on with the customer, right? So a lot of, if there is an organization who does this kind of work, who does voice of the customer interviews, often they are tied to something that's going on within the or within that company, right? So, oh, well, we tie into our quarterly business reviews for our sales reps. So we can also collect uh, forecasting feedback or we tie them into um, before we have our annual conference to do these, right? Those are, the, those are timelines. Those are touch points that are tied to the calendar of, the, the company, not tied to the experience of the customer. So that's the, that's the direction that I have my clients shift to, right? Let's, let's turn our toes into the direction of the customer experience. How about we do these and have them be very customized to the different events that are within the customer experience after they've been onboarded? initially as a customer. And let's ask them questions specifically about that onboarding experience. After, um, if there's a major support or warranty incident, let's have a conversation then so that we make sure that we have uh, completely resolved their issue and we have a really good understanding of what went on so that that customer doesn't carry that experience with them for the next five years. 
which I have heard from different customers. They carry this negative experience with them because it was never fully resolved. Let's have it before we have an annual contract renewal so that when we're going into this contract, we're reading anything that might be going on within the customer site. So tie interviews, tie any sort of, of collection of data to the customer experience, not to what, as, as a company, your arbitrary calendar looks like. I love this because, you know, I talk a lot about the customers and uh, particularly the buyer's experience. And, yeah. and if you think about it, again, this is the internal, external, external, internal. What are we trying to achieve with our revenue growth? So, you know, there are going to be some pivotal moments where a customer might become a lifetime customer or might renew their content, their pivotal moment for the customer. But if they're pivotal for the customer, they're pivotal for us. But what's more, what are we trying to achieve? What's the outcome? So if we have a, a customer that's trying to achieve X amount of revenue and that our product's going to enable them to do it, well, surely it ought to be at their review, not our review. Yes. <laughs> Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> that's exactly correct. It's like that seems quite logical to me, but I don't know why these things are so illogical to organizations. Well, I do because they're so internally focused. Right. But I actually, if we started with the outcome in mind, what are we trying to achieve for our customer, what are we trying to help our customer do, we measure that. This is an excellent way of measuring it in the voice of the customer, what the customer actually says about how they feel about the product or the service that we're delivering to them. That, that is your greatest marketing, isn't it? And it's the greatest yeah. feedback into the organization of how each person that has touched the customer has impacted the delivery of that. They need to know that. That's great for the employees of the organization. Well, and even, you know, specifically from the question of marketing, one of the pieces of feedback that I collect that most often surprise my clients when I deliver the report is the way that their customers talk about their solution or talk about their service, right? Um, it's pretty common for my clients, the the way that they market, so their market messaging around somebody why somebody should work with them, buy their product, contract for their service. It's not the same way that their customers talk about their product or their service or why somebody should buy it. So that just from, uh, you know, almost the surface level of this kind of work, that's a great application for this work is to better understand how your customers talk about you because that's how you should be talking <laughs> about you, right? If from a market messaging perspective, who better to ask why somebody should buy from you than someone who has bought from you? So that's a that's a that's an easy first, you know, first application of this kind of work. Yeah, yeah. And I would imagine there are some surprises as well. I thought they brought it because of this, but they're buying oh, it because of that. Okay, All now that has real growth opportunities. We can innovate more on that that we didn't realize just by receiving the voice of the customer the, and, and listening to the language of the customers. As yeah, you know, it reminds me of actually somebody that you've had on your podcast. And I loved the episode with Lisa Dennis. I was just thinking of Lisa Dennis when you were talking. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And her and I have done some work together with some of her 
uh, with her clients, right? We come in and um, I'll do a voice of the customer program prior to her working for working with them on their value proposition. Because again, as she says, hold up a mirror, right? You want to hold up a mirror and you want your buyer to see themselves. So that is where this work makes so much sense. You want to speak about your product the way your buyers speak about your and and that's where you know I was thinking this is this is so aligned, isn't it? Because often customers don't know what what their I mean buyers companies don't know what their customers say how uh, how they talk about the product or service yeah. and the company. You're uncovering a lot of that. Okay, now we've got that language. What do we do with it? Yes, <laughs> and that's, that's you know where Lisa Dennis comes in. So absolutely yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let me just move on and talk about um, what insights um, you gained and what changed. Can, we, can, <laughs> you, can you train somebody to ask the right questions or does the relationship change even if you're asking the same questions, but it's a third party asking the questions? How does that make a difference? the same set of questions but it's the company asking it and the third party so how does that relationship change so that's it's such an interesting question and it's one that i get a lot from from you know potential customers right because they love this idea but they really want to be able to train their team on how to do it and i absolutely can do that right you, you absolutely can train somebody on the types of techniques and methodologies that i use um, you know there's some inherent skills that need to be there right they need to understand how to listen otherwise that's a whole different set of training um, <laughs> they need to become very comfortable with awkward silence and realize that the silence is not awkward for the person that you're giving some space to uh, you know, think about their response. They have to realize that it's it's theirness as the interviewer that they have to go against. So there's there's some skills that are that are really helpful in being effective. But some of the biggest things that I find is being benefits to working with a third party versus having this being done internally is first of all the customer feels more comfortable providing candid feedback to a third party. That is just human nature. There have been a lot of interviews that I've completed where the customer will be, you know, really being vulnerable, right? Being vulnerable and providing some really candid feedback about their experience. And they'll, you know, kind of stop and wait a second, you're, you're not, you're a third party, right? You're not with them. And I'm like, yep, that's right. I'm a third party. Oh, okay. And then they keep talking, right? So, for some individuals, not everyone, there's just a greater degree of comfort on having it be a third party. On the flip side of that, you know, where I had said that momentum of assumption happens within organizations, well, there's also a, a momentum of bias, right? Where if, you know, if you're somebody within an organization who has, uh, you know, who's really invested in a program or a product or a service or whatever it is, that can definitely impact what you're hearing. Mm -hmm. So, right? So a customer could provide feedback, candid feedback, but somebody who already has some assumption or bias about whatever they're, they're getting feedback on, they're gonna hear something very differently 
than what I'm going to hear as a third party who doesn't, I, you know, I don't have a horse in the race, yeah. right? I'm not, I'm, I'm not responsible for the relationship with the customer. I'm not trying to make sure that they're paying for that product upgrade next quarter, right? It, it's so I can hear things very differently. So that that's what we see as a difference between it being internal and being external. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's really powerful. Yeah, excellent. So what tried and tested strategy would you offer our listeners to help them to scale their sales? So get curious. Truly get curious and and work to build a culture of curiosity within your organization to to stop, to take a breath. I love that expression, take a breath and try to look at things from a different perspective. And doing that, you, you just you can open up all kinds of new ideas and insights and, and innovations if and to create that type of a culture. Mm, love that. Love that. Okay, Tanya, if you are on a desert island on your own, what's the one thing you would take with you? So having listened to other podcasts, I thought you might ask that question. I I'm gonna go with the, the actually the very first thing that comes to mind when I've heard that question, I'm going to see a blanket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So it's very practical. It's very functional. Right. If you're cold, you can wrap yourself up. If if you're not lay it down on the ground and that's what you sleep on. But when I think of being on a desert island, what I think of is sitting on the beach by myself at sunset blanket wrapped around my shoulder. So it's not only functional, but it's really rather romantic as well, which I, I love that. So it's also, you're on your own. So it's very comforting. It's like having yes. a hug as well. And I also thought you see your tent for shade as well. It's, you know, oh, I'm assuming true. it's a warm desert island. You yes, know? there you uh, go. It doesn't have yeah. to be, whatever your preference is, we can, we can send you there. <laughs> <laughs> but I yes. love that. I think you're the first one to say your blanket, Tonya. Oh, so, yeah, okay. you're very original. Yeah, but I love that. <laughs> very practical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, um, I'm i definitely a blanket person. My family says I, I'm i probably the only person in the world with, like, a linen addiction. But, um, yes, I like my blankets. <laughs> <laughs> it's yours. You've got it. We're there sending you, go. you on that desert island with your blanket. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for sharing. I mean, it's been quite a whirlwind of a conversation, hasn't it, about voice of your customer. So much to learn and, and uh, you know, really great, great strategies. So I really appreciate you. And thank you so much for being a guest on Scale Yourselves podcast, Tanya. You're welcome. And um, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.